Welcome to The Gone Show, the show where my guests and I explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be. On tonight's episode, we'll be talking about one of the great authors of The Ghastly, and you can quote me on that. That's right, we'll be talking about Edgar Allan Poe. And now, joining the world and beyond from the Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of the Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Gone Show. Tonight, I'm joined in the studio by Jay Stewart, who is a brain in a jar. Hello. John Mad Jack Mitten, who passed away in the United Kingdom in 1834 and now manifests himself as an oversized mouth and mustache. Greetings. And cosmonaut Stanislaw Kapustin. Don't be here of Mother Russia and myself. It is good to be here. Well, Halloween will be here at the end of this week, so I wanted to be sure to celebrate by talking about someone associated with all things spooky. Uh, Out of curiosity, do you celebrate Halloween in Russia, Stanislaw? As a matter of fact, Following the collapse of the Soviet Union, more and more Russians do celebrate Halloween. And what is it that you dress up as? Stanislaw Kapustin always dresses up as an astronaut. An astronaut, as opposed to a cosmonaut. That is correct. How inventive. Well, as I was about to say, tonight we're going to be talking about the late, great Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. The writer. Yes. Ew. I've met him. You met Edgar Allan Poe? How exciting. Exciting. Well, that's one way to describe it. Though disturbing would be much more accurate. Now, wait a minute. Poe was born in... Boston, Massachusetts in 1809, but he did live in the United Kingdom from 1815 to 1820. So are you saying that you met him when he was between the ages of 6 and 11? Yes, I don't remember the exact date, but I would guess him to have been 9 or 10 years old. And let me tell you, little Edgar was a nightmarish nipper of pure evil. Stanislaw Kapustin was of the belief that Edgar Allan Poe simply wrote nightmarish stories, not that he himself was nightmarish. Consider yourself wrong, dead wrong, understood. I was spending some time in Chelsea. Suffice it to say, the reason for my visit was sexual in nature. John, my hostess had left her abode to attend to some errands, so I was enjoying some time alone by the fire with a glass of port when there was a knock on the door. 
reluctantly pulling myself away from the fire. I answered the door to find a gaunt, pale youth with a head like a pincushion and piercing eyes. He told me his name was Edgar Allan Poe and asked if he could come in from the cold for a moment. Unfortunately, I invited him in. According to my research, he was likely attending a boarding school there in Chelsea at the time. Well, I wonder if your research mentioned any of this. I showed him to the fire, and not long after, a rustling began to come from within the chimney, out of which flew a raven. Then another, and then another, and I sat there in wonder as I watched this trio of ravens perch upon my guest, one on each shoulder and one atop his head, as if its chosen nest was one of unruly pitch-black hair. Perhaps they had been trained. If they had been trained, it was by the devil, I assure you. With the ravens still atop him, young Edgar looked at me and said, Do not be afraid. You may die tonight, but I will immortalize you in fiction. And with that, the ravens held on to this horrible child, flapped their wings, and proceeded to lift him up off the floor. Oh, my. Are you serious? Then, just when I thought myself unable to experience any additional horror, this black storm of bird and boy flew at me. It was a storm of shrieking ravens, and in the eye of this storm, the wicked urchin, with arms outstretched and mouth open, ready to swallow my very soul. Holy shit. Uh, what on earth did you do, John? I am not ashamed to admit it. When that menagerie of the macabre came at me, I ran, sir. More than that, I screamed like a babe in want of his mother's breast. I ran out the door and onto the street with my eyes ready to to pop out of their sockets, and my arms flailing, and I never went back there again. Uh, my word. I wish I could say that was the worst part. Something else happened? New, no. and that's the rub, don't you know? I ended up missing out on a great deal of sexual intercourse. That's... that's insane, John. I knew. Sexual intercourse. I... I can't think of a good transition. So, we're just going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. 
You've been there. After months of hunting and close calls, you've found the coffin of the vampire that you've been searching for. But when it comes time to end this nocturnal monster's reign of terror, the tip of your stake breaks and the sun is setting. Well, if you had purchased that stake from Make No Mistake, new and used stakes, eternal rest assured, the blood would not have rushed to your face from embarrassment. At Make No Mistake, new and used stakes, you'll find hundreds of stakes to choose from, all among a variety of styles, with prices to match any budget. From our toothpick series, that's made from pine and is perfect for those just starting to peek under death shrouds, to our heart attack series, made from Osage orange and featuring stainless steel crucifix inlays, you're sure to find what you're looking for at Make No Mistake New and Used Stakes. Visit Make No Mistake New and Used Stakes online and receive a free bottle of holy water with your first purchase. Make no mistake, a stake from anywhere, but make no mistake, new and used stakes is just a piece of wood. Welcome back to the Gone Show. Welcome back to the Gone Show, where tonight I'm joined by Jay Stewart, John Mitten, and Stanislaw Kapustin. And John, what can I say? Thanks for sharing that story. I don't quite know what to make of it. I believe you, but I must say I have a hard time believing that that was actually Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, all that I can say is that was the name given to me by Bird Boy. Fair enough. Well, thanks to John, we've already covered some of Poe's early years, but in moving forward, I'll add that Poe's father abandoned his family when Poe was about one year old, and Poe's mother died about one year after that. That's very sad. Fortunately, Poe was taken in by a couple, John and Francis Allen, although they never legally adopted him, and apparently John and Poe had a very turbulent relationship. In 1820, John moved the family back to America from their stay in the United Kingdom, and in 1826, Poe began attending the University of Virginia, where he studied ancient and modern languages. However, he only stayed there for about a year due to several factors, including his accumulation of gambling debts, which severely strained his relationship with his foster father. One should never gamble on family. Having left school, Poe didn't want to go home, not only because of his foster father being there, but also because he had learned that a woman by the name of... Sarah Elmira Royster, whom he had had a relationship with, had married someone else. So instead, Poe joined the United States Army, and in 1827, during his time in the Army, he released his first book entitled Tamerlane and Other Poems. 
Unfortunately, the book wasn't given much notice, and only 50 copies were printed. So you knew, no matter what you say, I won't be feeling any sympathy for Edgar. That's understandable. So in... 1829, Poe published his second book of poetry before joining the United States Military Academy at West Point in 1830. Not long after, though, the following year, Poe decided to get court-martialed on purpose so that he could leave the academy. And in 1831, he published his third collection of poetry with the help of donations from his peers at West Point. It doesn't sound as though he liked to linger in any one place for very long. Yeah, in the following years, Poe began to focus more on prose instead of poetry, and began to receive some positive notice of his work. During this time, he even became the editor of a periodical, but jeopardized that position by drinking too much. Still, new sympathy here. And in either 1835 or 1836, Poe married his cousin, Virginia Clem, who was 13 at the time the marriage license was issued. Poe was 26. From what I read, a witness at the wedding ceremony that was eventually held lied and went on the record saying that Clem was 21. And if you need me, I'll be right here biting my tongue. That's probably for the best. In the late 1830s and early 1840s, Poe continued to find varying success with his fiction, as well as with jobs working as an editor and literary critic. In fact, based upon my research, he was almost given a position within President John Tyler's administration, but Poe failed to show up for an important preliminary meeting, and it's believed that that was because he was drunk. So, needless to say, that presidential appointment never happened. New sympathy! In 1842, Poe's wife, Virginia, began suffering from tuberculosis, and in... 1845, Poe was paid $9 for the publication of what is probably his most famous work, the poem The Raven. The Raven? Are you joking? No, you didn't know that? Even in Russia we have heard of this work. I cannot say that his is a career that I followed very closely. Avoided, yes. Followed, new. Well, like I said, publication of The Raven gave Poe quite a bit of fame, but it wasn't able to ensure him any kind of financial security. Then, in 1847, Virginia passed away, and Poe's self-destructive tendencies only increased. And I'm still feeling just fine about everything you're saying. Afterward, Poe attempted to enter into several relationships, including one with his former love, Sarah Elmira Royster, whose husband had died, but in... 
1849, Poe was taken to a hospital, having been found delusional, walking the streets, wearing clothes that weren't his, and four days later he passed away. Poe's death certificate was lost, and to this day, nobody knows the cause of death, but theories range from those that involve everything from alcoholism to rabies. I understand your dislike for the man, John, but even as a Russian, I find his story quite sad. Uh, Yes, misfortune did seem to be his steady companion. Hmm. Well, even though success and fame pretty much eluded Poe during his lifetime, today several of his works are considered classics. He's widely considered to be the one who invented detective fiction, and he's influenced many artists, including Alfred Hitchcock, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, even Jules Verne, who, and I found this interesting, wrote a sequel to Poe's only novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Good for him. All right, now this is where we would usually end the show, but what with Halloween right around the corner and tonight's topic, I've spoken with Jay and he's agreed to end the show with a reading of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. I'm growing tired of asking this, but are you joking? When I asked Jay to do this, I had no idea that you had history with Edgar Allan Poe, John. And if you had noon, it wouldn't have made any difference. Here now. I'm just kidding. Take it easy. But listen, since we already have it planned, do you mind? It will take more than a few rhymes from an amateur ornithologist to frighten John Mad Jack Mitten. Out of curiosity, how scary is it? It's more creepy than scary. To my guests and listeners, thank you. And until next time, good evening and good gone. And now, to end the show, I give you Jay Stewart and his reading of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Enjoy. Uh, Once upon a midnight dreary... While I pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. 
and the silken sad uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before so that now to still the beating of my heart i stood repeating tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door this it is and nothing more presently my soul grew stronger hesitating then no longer sir said i or madam truly your forgiveness i implore but the fact is i was napping and so gently you came rapping and so faintly you came tapping tapping at my chamber door that i scarce was sure i heard you here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before but the silence was unbroken and the stillness gave no token and the only word there spoken was the whispered word lenore this i whispered and an echo murmured back the word lenore merely this and nothing more back into the chamber turning all my soul within me burning soon again i heard a tapping somewhat louder than before surely said i surely that is something at my window lattice let me see then what thereat is and this mystery explore let my heart be still a moment and this mystery explore tis the wind and nothing more open here i flung the shutter when with many a flirt and flutter in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore not the least obeisance made he not a minute stopped or stayed he but with mine of lord or lady perched above my chamber door perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door perched and sat and nothing more then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore 
Thou thy crest be shorn and shaven thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore, tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Uh, much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore, for we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such name as Nevermore. But the raven sitting lonely on the placid bust spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken doubtless said i what it utters is its only stock and store caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never never more but the raven still beguiling all my fancy into smiling straight i wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door then upon the velvet sinking i betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy thinking what this ominous bird of yore what this grim ungainly ghastly gaunt and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore this I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing, to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining, that the damp light glowed o'er but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er she shall press ah nevermore
Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim, whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee, respite, Respite and Nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind Nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent, or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead, tell me, tell me I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, Tell this soul, with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a sainted maiden, whom the angels name Lenore. Clasp a rare and radiant maiden, whom the angels name Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting, Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore, Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken, Leave my loneliness unbroken, Quit thy bust above my door, uh, take thy beak from out my heart, and take thy form from off my door, quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas, just above my chamber door, and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming, throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. The Gone Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show was a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.